The Right Hook Podcast. With the Mitsubishi Commercial Range. Pajero Executive, Pajero Commercial, Outlander Business and new L200. All with a leading five-year commercial warranty. MitsubishiMotors.ie the show is the right hook. The station is News Talk, and this is Shane Coleman standing in today for George. Breaking news: uh, Ruth Coppinger is not going to be the next Taoiseach. Uh, she has been defeated uh, in a vote in the Dáil by 108 votes uh, to 10. Uh, Hugh O'Connell, political editor with the Journal, has uh, Journal.ie has popped in uh, just to bring us up to speed. Um, Hugh, the Dáil resumed at half two. We now have had three votes. Nobody elected Taoiseach. Just give us a flavour of what's happened today so far. Yeah, so as you said, the doll resumed at half two. Um, there was a procedural route for about 25 minutes. Uh, Sinn Féin were attempting to get a debate on housing on the go or that the, the proposed committee on housing to deal with the housing and homelessness crisis be set up immediately and that, that the, you know, the doll gets moving on that and TDs actually start getting down to work rather than sitting around waiting for a government to be formed. So there was a, a bit of a back and forth about that. The Count Corla urged the various party whips to go out and see if they can arrange something in that space. And then TDs voted to give themselves another eight days off, effectively. Eight days off from, from business in the Dáil anyway. So the Dáil uh, agreed to adjourn until the 14th of April. And then we had the very long and tedious process of trying to elect a Taoiseach when we all knew that no Taoiseach was going to be elected today. Uh, Enda Kenny and Micheál Martin, you just mentioned Ruth Coppinger there, but Enda Kenny and Micheál Martin's names were proposed earlier. Enda Kenny got 51 votes, so that's the 50 Fine Gael TDs, and Michael Lowry, the sort of silent Fine Gael vote that they don't really talk about. And Micheál Martin got 43, and that's the number of Fianna Fáil TDs. So we have a situation here where the last time the Dáil voted for a Taoiseach uh, on the 10th of March, Fine Gael got 57 when you include Labour. Uh, Fianna Fianna Fáil got 43 votes, uh, so they got the same today, more or less. No real so change. no one has moved. So Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have, have done the dance, have flirted, have engaged, have done everything they could with independence, and yet they haven't secured a single vote. So now we move into the space of Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, at last, are going to sit down and, and have a conversation. And that starts tonight. We expect the Taoiseach and the Kenny to uh, ha- have a conversation with Micheál Martin. That's expected to be in person at a neutral venue, I'm told. Uh, Fianna Fáil uh, are of the view that there probably won't be a substantial discussion there this evening, that they'll just kind of set out the parameters of what they're going to do over the next two days. Uh, Fianna Fáil's parliamentary party is meeting tomorrow, so I suspect there'll be a lot of feedback at that uh, for for Micheál Martin to take into the negotiations with Enda Kenny. But really, finally, 40 days on from the general election, I think we're now finally moving into, uh, you know, the only really show in town. The phony war is is over. The phony war is over. The only show in town now is is, is Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, and they have to get down to business. And one other interesting thing is that Fianna Fáil had been spinning for the last few days that, you know, if, if Micheál Martin gets more votes uh, than Enda Kenny for Taoiseach, then Fianna Fáil will have a mandate to, to you know, try and form a minority government. That's off that, the table that now. It's gone. It's dead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stay with us for a second, Hugh. Just stick on your headphones there because yeah. we've got uh, Eamon O'Quive, uh, Fianna Fáil TD for Galway West uh, on the line. Uh, Eamon, thanks for stepping out to, to take our call. Uh, Hugh's point there, I mean, Fianna Fáil had a very good election, no one's saying otherwise. But now you've been pipped by Fine Gael on, on three occasions, once in the general election and twice now on on the, the vote for, for Taoiseach. Do you now accept that it's Enda Kenny's prerogative to form a government? Well, no, it's the Arachtus' prerogative to elect the Taoiseach and there's a lot of players in this. Uh, one of the interesting things today, of course, is that the <coughs> number of extensions has gone up. In other words, 157 deputies didn't vote. So, that's significant. There's going to be a lot of movement over the next few weeks. There's a lot of players out there. Uh, there's a lot of small parties that have to make a call one way or the other. Uh, I think the penny dropped, for example, for Sinn Féin today, that their man wasn't going to get elected. Uh, Jerry Adams had been proposed the first day. They didn't propose a woman, and they didn't take 
any uh, they didn't put forward any candidates. So obviously they accept that their person's not going to be elected. Now what they do? Yeah, no, that's a fair elect- point. That's fair, and we have um, we've already. No, let me we, finish the point. Yeah, but we Therefore, have been. Cri- I, I want to talk to you about Fianna Fáil. They can continue to. They can, as some other parties in the Dáil have done, they can continue to pose to propose both of the possible candidates, and that has to be respected. But it means that you know they're saying they're exactly equal when obviously the policies of Fiona Fáil and Fianna Gael and the policies they pursued in government when last in government are totally different. Okay. Where does so that's one. Yeah. Similarly, well, let, let's, let's talk about... Let's, no, 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 hang on, hang on, Eamon, Eamon. Yeah. Let's talk about Fianna Fáil. Cause oh, I, yeah, cause Fáil, yeah. It, yeah. What do you do now? Well, we keep voting for Micheál Martin and... You can't uh, keep voting for Micheál Martin now. I mean, that, well, that ship has sailed. You haven't... Uh, with no disrespect to you, we can do what Fianna Fáil decides to do and that is totally our prerogative. Um, and well, what about forming know, a government and the national interest? Well, sorry, that falls on 157 deputies. It, it absolutely fall. does. That that's a fair point. The, but you but you have 43 obvious, of those. The obvious, yeah, we have 43. So let's look at the possible governments you could form uh, with Enda Kenny. If you want to, 81 and a three-party coalition. They've done this before with Sinn Féin, the Workers' Party. 51 for the girl, 23 Sinn Féin, 7 Labour, 81. That's option one. Mm-hmm. Option two, as you pointed out, and if you pointed out, is Fianna Fáil for the girl. You get a massive majority of about 29 in the line, back to the problems that arose in the last government with an overwhelming majority, but that's a possibility. Another possibility is that Fianna Gael get a whole lot of independence and that they uh, are facilitated in forming a minority government. They're all possibilities on the Fianna Gael side. No, on the Fianna Fáil side, there are similar possibilities. Uh, Labour, we haven't even discussed what they might do, the Social Democrats, uh, Sinn Féin and so on. So there are many, many options still left in this game. Mm-hmm. And we have to, as a party, explore all the options. And we also have to recognise that other parties might feel it was in the national interest to move. And as I've said to you, one of the big choices that the people who are voting against everything now um, will have to make their mind up on is between the two possible contenders, who do they think would make a better Taoiseach and put a better government together? Okay. Uh, Michael yep. Martin or Andy Kenny. That's the real big choice for the dial. And as I've said, all those who've been sitting on the fence opposing everything which is an increasing okay. number in the dial, uh, might someday have to get off the fence in the national interest and make a choice. All right. Now, clearly, no, hang on. Okay. Saying, let, let me cut across saying, Let me finish. Yeah, go on. Clearly what we're saying is that this government that was just going out lost 50 seats, lost the confidence of the people. Okay. Whereas we doubled our seats. Yeah. And therefore we would contend that a government led by Michal Martin would be far superior than a government. Okay, you led. would, and that is your that is your prerogative to yeah. contend that. You have laid out in theory the various options. In practice, in practice, Sinn Fein are not going to support anybody for Taoiseach. We know that they've been absolutely emphatic about that. But do you not we think can, that that's very irresponsible? I, I I have already expressed a view on that earlier in the program. I think they're wrong well, on that. I, I, your program is in the divorce. You might explain what the view is. Well, I I think I'm wrong on. I think they are wrong on that. But yeah, that we are but, wrong of Labour not to be participating. I I think perhaps and I I'd be much more interested in hearing your views. But I think perhaps Labour are also taking the wrong option. But that is SPP? where we are. Yes, I and I've also said that about them as well. 
But what no, I'm asking, is, what I'm asking, oh, I want to ask. Happened. No, let me ask you a yeah. question about Fianna yeah, Fáil. Yeah, about about Fianna Fáil. The most likely option. I have a new career stage. when I when I give up this. Yeah, job. absolutely. Yeah, I, I hadn't realised. I hadn't realised. Um, the most likely option at this stage is a Fine Gael minority government involving independence, possibly uh, maybe one or two smaller parties, but it would require outside support on certain votes from others, including Fianna Fáil. Is that something you are open to personally? Well, what I'm open to is whatever the party makes a decision on, and I make those views known within the party. Can I say there's also another option, that people abstain on the vote for Taoiseach, not only us, but other people, if one party is clearly ahead the next time round, and that is not clear at the moment because we had very, very fruitful discussions with the independents yesterday. I was involved in some of those discussions, and I have to say they were incredibly amicable and positive, and there was a great trust there. And I believe trust is a huge thing in politics. So we're not ruling out that the independents, whenever they make the decision, wouldn't come our side. And, of course, that changes the whole arithmetic. Okay, but okay. allowing that the independents were to go with Senegal, and allowing that they were to get to a very substantial number but still fall short, uh, it might come to the point that us or Sinn Féin or Labour or whoever might abstain in the dial and facilitate them going into government. They might do that for a package or they might they might just abstain on the election of Taoiseach and then say they take every issue as it would come. OK, Eamon O'Keefe, Fianna Fáil TD for Galway West and uh, likely future broadcaster based on that interview. Thanks mm-hmm. indeed for joining us. Hugh, um, I mean, Hugh O'Connell, he's not conceding it's over, but then reading between the lines, he's saying, look, yeah. we would be open to that Look, one of the things he didn't say was the fact that all of these independent TDs that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been engaging with have all said to a man and a woman that, uh, you know, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil need to talk. Um, and until they do talk, they're not in a position to consider whether they would support the next government, whatever that government is, whether it's led by Fianna Gael, which I think is most likely, or it's led by Fianna Fáil. So, you know, that's, as has been said by many other people in, in the last few weeks, that's the elephant in the room. That's the only show in town that, that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil need to sit down, need to talk about uh, what they're going to do together, what they can agree on, what sort of policies they think and, and legislation they think they can get through over the next while, uh, whether they can get a budget through in October. Uh, and if they can agree on that, then independence might come into the fold in terms of, as, as Simon said, supporting on an issue-by-issue basis. I, I want to go to Michael Fitzmaurice, but just very yeah. briefly before we do, any chance of Labour, Social Democrats, the Greens coming back into play? Well, potentially. Uh, Joan Burton apparently today uh, was uh, in the Labour Parliamentary Party meeting was uh, suggesting that Labour form some sort of alliance with the Social Democrats and with the Green Party. So that perhaps might might bring them back into play. Because that would, with independence and Fine Gael, that would get to around 77 seats. I mean, that's that's a government yeah, but I mean potentially. But look, there's a lot. There's a lot to get through before we get there into is. that space. I mean, the Greens have already engaged with with Fine Gael and decided not to go any further. So I think that Sock would Dems. change if if the Sock Dems well, and Labour. Well, right. potentially. But I mean, Labour. There's a bit of a split in Labour. I think there are some people who are adamant that the party needs to go into into opposition and rebuild and provide kind of responsible opposition over the next few years. There are others who think that these kind of social democratic principles that Labour espouses won't get through in the next during the next government because Labour is not involved, and that Labour would potentially be drowned out in opposition where you have Sinn Fein, AAPBP, and others. And so and to fall potentially as well so uh, it's, it's interesting I don't think Labour's position is decided yet if you ask me to call it I think Labour will probably end up in opposition OK uh, Michael Fitzmaurice uh, Independent TD for Roscommon Galway um, thanks indeed for joining us why did you opt not to vote for anybody for Taoiseach today? Well first of all we have 
55 hours, I think, spent with Fine Gael. Uh, we were in with, as Eamon O'Keefe said earlier, we were in with Fianna Fáil yesterday. I actually sat down with Eamon on agriculture in rural Ireland for a good few hours yesterday. And then we went on to the justice and we went on to health yesterday evening. But we haven't, you cannot obviously spend, you cannot pack 55 hours work into 10 hours. And it would be unfair of us to make a decision today until we have gone through most of the stuff that needs to be gone through. And once we have that done, we will be making decisions. But at the end of the day, as Hugh has said there, um, we're like a small fishing boat where there's two big trawlers uh, either side. And until Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil decide what they're doing, for the simple reason, look, at, we, we could agree with someone, we could agree with Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil on something, but the others can, if they, if they don't start to agree uh, to support it, or maybe they'll go together yet. Until that happens, there's no point in, in, in jumping one side or the other. Yeah, although the the other way of looking at it is that I'm looking at that Fine Gael document that was published last night. I mean, it's pretty much a wish list for independent TDs and and for rural independent TDs in particular. Why not jump at that and say, yeah, we want to be part of that. We'll take a couple of ministries, including uh, Minister for Rural Affairs, and uh, put it up to Fianna Fáil to either, um, you know what, or get off the pot in relation to, to supporting it. Well, there's, there's one thing I would say is this. It's not about wishing, it's about reality. And it's not about ministry. Well, well make it a reality then. No, no, but it's about the people that you represent. And I think that we need to knuckle down and make sure that everything is costed and costed properly. For the simple reason, we all know that healthcare is running over by 230 or 40 million. Uh, There may be other things coming in. um, There's a, a consultants thing on at the moment. And, you know, this space that we talk about is getting tighter and tighter and you can talk about a wish list all you want. What we want is reality, the delivery of things. It's like broadband. I've been, you know, to the fore in meeting department officials on broadband for all parts of Ireland. And, you know, this thing of not given definite dates, just, I don't buy into that. Yeah, but Michael, I, I have to put it to you, Michael Fitzmaurice, Minister for Communications could deliver that. That's one way of ensuring that the wish list becomes a reality. Yeah, but the only thing about it is you have got to make sure that what's put in front of you, be it agriculture, be it rural Ireland, be it broadband, be it health, that it's realistic what we are trying to do. And that, and regardless of all the wish lists in the world, we can have all the wish lists that we want um, and we can agree it with one party or the other. But until Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil decide that either they're going to support them in a minority government and do uh, do a pact, say, for two years or three years. There's no good uh, sort of doing something for a few months and be it all up in a ball again. We have okay. to make sure that it's constructive. Okay. And La- last question, last question, today, Michael, before I let you know. Today from we are here today. Um, you know, I've heard one of the Healy Rays saying that they're supposed to be... Yeah, we've, and they, they are going to be tonight. People. Last question before I let you go. Uh, the, the, will you, do you think you will be in a position to cast a, a, a vote for somebody for Taoiseach, be it Enda Kenny or Micheál Martin, by the time the, the, neck, the dull next votes on Look, I would, I would hope that if the two main parties grow up, put their childish attitudes aside and get on with it for the next few days, decide which way they're going, be it minority or together, then progress can be made and made rapid.
Okay, uh, thanks indeed for joining us. Michael Fitzmaurice, Independent TD for Roscommon. We're joined by uh, another uh, Independent TD for uh, Roscommon Galway, uh, Dennis Nocton. Dennis, thanks indeed for joining us. Um, uh, same question to you. Do you think by the time the next, uh, the Dáil next meets that you and your uh, your four colleagues uh, will be in a position to vote for somebody for Taoiseach? Shane, I hope so, and I genuinely hope so. I think... Look, what we need is, is a government that's going to last for five years, not one that's going to last for either five weeks or five months. Uh, and to do that, uh, a government needs to have a working majority on the floor of the Dáil. Uh, and that can only happen with Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil sitting down. We're 40 days since the election. Uh, it has taken them a long time to come to this situation. And effectively, we as independents have forced them into a situation where they now need to sit down, engage with each other, agree how decisions are, are going to be made, uh, and agree a work programme and priority uh, for this doll. And that needs to happen, hopefully can happen over the next few days, and that we are in a position uh, tomorrow week to actually vote for a Taoiseach and put a government in place. Do you want to be part of a government? I'm quite happy to be part of a government uh, if uh, that is required to make sure that we have uh, a stable government in this country. I'm quite happy to carry out my role on the opposition benches if that is the case. I think what's my priority here is to ensure that there is a government put in place, one that has a mandate and one that can operate for five years. And I'm quite willing, as are my colleagues, uh, to ensure whatever we can do to make that happen that will happen. If that government, I mean the most likely government I think it's fair to say at the moment, I know Eamon O'Keeve would take issue with this and he was taking issue with it a couple of moments ago, but the most likely government at this stage is, and a lot can happen I accept, but Fine Gael, uh, 15 or so independents and support from the outside from a variety of Fianna Fáil, Labour, the Greens at different times. Is that the kind of government that would get five years? Is that the kind of government that would offer stability? Is that the kind of government you could sign up for if it involved your policies being implemented? I'd find it very difficult uh, to support that type of government. The reason being, we have seen the figures uh, for, for this forthcoming budget. It's going to be a very challenging budget for a majority government uh, to implement, never mind a minority government to try and steer through. Uh, the health budget is overrunning at €1 million Euro a day at the moment. And because of the complexity of the issues now in relation to the stability and growth pact that uh, is there uh, at European Union level, that causes huge problems for it. So even if we got an extra bundle of money in income tax or corporation tax towards the end of this year, that could not be used to balance the budget uh, in the Department of Health. Okay. And that will cause significant problems for any government and I think will be a destabilising effect on okay. any minority government. Dennis, final question, very briefly, if you will. Uh, the odds on a government being formed versus uh, another election, how would you categorise them at this stage? I think it's 50-50 that uh, we, uh, Tisha could be going back to the park and to the Aris uh, looking for the dissolution of the Dáil. However, uh, I believe that uh, we could see the President get involved uh, in this process uh, if there continues to be stalemate. But we'll just have to wait and see. Dennis Nocton, thanks indeed for joining us. Dennis Nocton there, Independent TD for Roscommon uh, Galway. Now Hugh O'Connell from the uh, Journal.ie has very patiently uh, stayed with us. 50-50, Hugh, would you, would you go that far? Uh, I wouldn't, but I mean, I think it's it's not far off. It's maybe 60-40 in favour of, of, of a government being formed. I mean, I think Fianna, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil will work out a deal of some sort. I think it's going to take a long time. It could take another 40 days, maybe. 
Um, but I think Dennis made an interesting point there about whether if Enda Kenny was to go back to the park and tell President Higgins, look, I can't do a government. I need, you know, you need to yeah, dissolve I, the government. I gold. suspect Michael D might have something. I to say suspect. About that. I suspect Michael D might have a, you know, in a, in a subtle way, kind of suggest that well, maybe you should go back and try again. Look, I think Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil can can work out their differences to agree say eight or ten priorities on a sheet of paper to say well, this is what we're going to do and, and this is how we're going to do it over the next you know, 12 to 18 months I think reading between the lines of what Dennis is saying there he's really saying that look Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil need to form a grand coalition and a stable government Fianna, happen, Fianna Fáil aren't going to wear that at the moment and, and I suspect there'll be a bit of reluctance in Fianna Gael as well um, so I, my, my view and my prediction would be is that, that eventually Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil will work something out uh, it won't probably last very long, but but it'll be it'll mean that at least the doll can sit and start getting some work done because that's not happening at the moment. And I think the public seeing another day like today, yeah, uh, won't patience be, will start to wear. Patience thin. will start to wear thin, and they certainly won't like the idea of going back to the polls again. And the big thing about going back for a second election, whether it's next month or whether it's in June. I don't see it substantially changing the result. Um, I, I just don't. You know, if anything, it might harm Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, and it might lead to more independence and more, more smaller parties getting in. In which case, the doll, the thirty-third doll, becomes even more fragmented. Okay, Hugh Connell, I know you got copied a file for uh, the Journal.ie, so we let you go. Thanks indeed uh, for coming into us. I think we're joined on the line now by uh, Michael Healy Ray, uh, Independent TD for Kerry. Um, Michael, what did you make of today's proceedings? Uh, I suppose no surprise we don't have a Taoiseach elected. Are we likely to have a Taoiseach elected um, next time the Dáil uh, meets? And I suppose more specifically, do you think you'll be in a position to vote for a Taoiseach next time the Dáil meets? Well, I just stepped out of the chamber now just to take this call. And I'm sorry, I'm on 10% of battery, so I hope I didn't get cut off. But uh, listening very closely... It's a long time since you've been on 10%. Uh, you're, you're normally on about 35%. But anyway, go on. Um, when the Taoiseach spoke, and most importantly, when Michal Martin spoke, the two of them, you can see that this evening is going to be the start of a process that maybe there might not be enough, uh, uh, they mightn't have gone far enough by, by next week. But I would hope that at the end of a two-week period that uh, maybe that we will be in a position that there might be an arrangement made between uh, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and maybe others uh, to ensure that we wouldn't have to face the, the country into an election. Because I'd remind you again this evening, and this must be reminded to the people all the time, we were reliably told by the Minister for Finance another election is going to cost €40 million Euros of taxpayers' money. Mm. And the taxpayers won't want to see that money being wasted on an election because that's what would be okay, fair, no, because we'd only go around in a circle to come back to where I, we I'm are just I'm, I'm conscious your your mobile phone is 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 on the blink. So I just want to uh, ask you, what would your preference be out of those talks uh, between Fine Gael and, and Fianna Fáil? Well, I would hope that whatever will come out of it, that it will be a stable government because our economy deserves a stable government. Our people deserve a stable government. The people, all the different problems that we have, housing, homelessness, health, all of the different issues. We we must have governments. We must have a reliable government that won't fall after six months or 12 months okay. or 18 no, months. Uh, and that's fair enough. I suppose that the reason I ask you that question is... If Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, and I don't expect this to happen, I don't think anyone does, yes. were to form a grand coalition, it would mean that independents like yourself would lose out on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to actually be part of a programme for government, to sit at Cabinet, to implement your policies, to protect rural Ireland uh, well, in, well, in well, your I, case. Well, I, well, I'll give you an example. 
I'm very happy so far with my track record because for the last number of years, I've been looking very strongly for a minister for rural affairs to be appointed. I'm now being told by Fine Gael and by Fianna Fáil that they will appoint such a person uh, once a government is formed, if a gov- government is formed. So yes, independence can make a difference. And uh, all of the independents working there, whether you're in a cabinet or not in a cabinet, you have a voice, you have a mandate, and I'll certainly shout loud and have them strong for the mandate that I have. Mm. Which is I, I've no doubt you will, but I, I've no doubt you will. But the real power, of course, is sitting a cabinet. You know the funny thing about it: when we see an awful lot of people that were sitting in the cabinet, they don't get to sit anywhere afterwards because they lose their seats a lot of them. Because if they take their eye off, off, off I, the I don't. Think, I don't think you'd need to worry about that somewhere. Well, everybody, any elected person is only there for as long as the people want them to be there, and that includes me and everybody else. We've no, we've no assurance that we'll be there. Only we're there when we get it. When oh, we get okay. Amended. Okay. Last question, and before I go very briefly, I asked yeah. Dennis Nocton this question. Same question to you: the odds on another election versus the odds on a government finally being re- elected in the next few weeks. How would you categorise them? I hope and pray that it will be more likely a government than an election. Because if we're having an election, we'll have it on the 20th of May, and nobody wants it, nobody's looking for it. The 40 million can be used in an awful lot of other things, whether it's health or housing. You could do an awful lot of work with 40 million, other than taking us around in a circle. And just please remember, and I want everybody to follow this, after the second election, and when you go from the 32nd to the 33rd, all all you'd be doing is moving the goalposts around a small bit because there wouldn't be a whole pile of a difference. We'd be back to where we started again, and they'd have to sit down then, and then they'd have to try and farm a government. Okay. This well, happened in the 1980s where there were three elections in 18 months. We don't want that to happen again. For God's sake, nobody wants it. Okay, we'll leave it there, Michael Healy Ray. Thanks okay, indeed thank for uh, stepping out of the doll uh, to take our call. The Right Hook with the new Mitsubishi Outlander 7-seater automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips. MitsubishiMotors.ie Okay, some of you are not happy with uh, my comments about uh, Sinn Féin. Anto in Ranlis says, Coleman, you should know why Sinn Féin are abstaining. The people do not want FFFG government confirmed by poll at the weekend stating we want a new election. I didn't know there was a poll at the weekend saying people wanted a new election. I think that's the last thing people want, uh, Anto. Uh, What an effing joke. As always, it's somehow Sinn Féin's fault. You're critical of them, but defend the biggest parties biased much. I'm only critical of the fact that they're opting out of forming a government, while at the same time criticising Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael for not forming a government. To me, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, Nolan Cork says, if they were on half pay until a new government was formed, it wouldn't take them long. It definitely wouldn't take them long in those situations. In that situation, uh, keep your text coming through 53106 at a cost of 30 cents. Now for something completely different. A survey by Mummy Pages has found that parents will spend on average almost five and a half grand per child on birthday parties and gifts from preschool up until sixth class. Too much or is that amount to be expected? Uh, we're joined on the line by Lucinda Carty, mother of four children and editor with Mummy Pages. Uh, Lucinda, uh, five and a half grand, wh- where does that figure come from? Um, hi, how are you? Oh, well, basically, uh, we can we can we did a six week poll um, on our Mummy Pages website um, asking parents how they feel about birthday parties. And the, the results that came back um, if if you have children, probably weren't that surprising. Yeah. Um, that figure comes over a ten year period while the child is in primary school, and they were saying that the average um, the average cost um, 
varies. It's somewhere around about three hundred and sixty-six euro a year for a birthday party for your child to host a birthday party. To, to host it either in your own home or at a party venue. Now, surprisingly, and what did actually surprise us here, Mummy Pages was that it actually works out more expensive to have your birthday party at home. We found with the cost being 387 versus the cost of 344 um, for a venue. Presumably that's because if you have it at home, you feel you have to have some kind of entertainment, so you bring in an entertainer, then you're cooking your own food and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, I mean, 77% of our mums came back and said that they hire party entertainment to keep the children amused. Yeah. So, you know, that alone, you're you're talking probably on average about, I know from my own experience, probably about 200 euro easily just for that alone, you know. So, it, and there is a bit of a, the keeping up with the Joneses as well, you know, with, uh, with there was quite a, a, a few of our parents, 82% said that they felt under pressure to keep up with the Joneses. You know, yeah, to kind of have the best party, have the kids going home raving about it. Oh, so and so Mary's party was amazing because there was fireworks or something like that. You know yourself. And so parents, mummies and parents do feel under pressure. Um, it is the new tyranny though, isn't it? I, like, I mean, I, I, I can completely identify with it. I mean, I'm just thinking of my own childhood, which is many years ago, obviously at this stage. I think I had two parties in the time, birthday parties in the time I was at primary school. Um, one of them basically involved that we had a tiny snooker table. One of us just involved all of us playing snooker for two or three years. I mean, the idea you had a party, nobody had a party every year. And that just seems to be the norm now. It seems to be it routine. Is. I mean, very much from, from what our mums are saying, you know, they they definitely dread going the back to school. 80% of our mums said they dread going back to school, partly because the party wheel is going to start. You know, and you're talking about the average child gets invited to about 12 parties a year. With a cost of, of 15 euro a child was what we the numbers we came back with. And I mean, that adds up to 180 euro a year. You're talking about between, if you only have one child, you're talking about 500 to 600 euro between your own child's birthday party and then birthday party gifts for them going to other parties. Now, if you have four children like mine, you nearly break out in a, in a heat rash mm. at the thought of how much it's going to cost you for the birthday party. And it's quite a pressure as well. I mean, to, to do it at home, I can understand... Like there's almost a relief when you outsource it to you know one of these party uh, venues because yeah. at home you know you're you're coming up with games uh, you're I've done it myself searching the internet for games and then after ten minutes the games that were supposed to last a half an hour have kind of run out and you're you actually do feel under a pressure to entertain basically oh you do or a riot has happened because somebody <laughs> yeah. didn't get past the parcel you know and I mean I've done a mixture of both I've actually got my little girl to be six next month. Her birthday party is coming up and last year I did her party at home and this year I decided to club in with another mum and the two of us are doing it at basically a venue where we bring our own food and there's a couple of bouncy castles around the place and that kind of thing. And that's kind of nearly the best of both worlds. You don't have to manically clean your house for two days beforehand. And, you know, and then you have the fact that kind of basically other people are cleaning up after you but you can provide the food which I think quite a number of our mummies um, when they were surve- surveyed on mummy pages said they were concerned about the party venues 86% of them were concerned about the range of junk food 
Really? That sounds very responsible, I have to say. I wouldn't be concerned about that at all. If somebody yeah, wanted well, to cook the food for me, I'd, I'd let them off. <laughs> I'm like, leave them, it's a party, it's fine. But it was, it was surprising. 86% of them were concerned. And then we'd 53% concerned about the levels of sugar. Now, we all know Skittles are bad for parties <laughs> because yeah. the child dances all over the place and goes uh, and goes crazy, you know. And I think, so. You really, it's up to the parents to be sensible. What a birthday party is supposed to be about is about celebrating the birth of your child and enjoying and having them enjoy their yeah, birthday. Yeah, in an ideal world, that's the case. We all know that's not what yeah. it's about. I mean, you no, summed it up yourself anymore. at the start no. about keeping up with the Joneses. One last thing, we, we've kind of yeah. opened the line, but just before we bring in Connor, the other thing I just wanted to mention was the uh, the other uh, thing that drives me mad is these, these party bags. And again, huge pressure to deliver. There is massive pressure to deliver on the party bags and people have to find the most obscure cool thing to go into them you know it's no it used to be uh, that there might be party bags at a party now that's not the case now there is real pressure and you're talking about they cost nearly an average of four euro per party bag so if you're talking about a whole class being invited which is the new trend as well not leaving anyone out which I do agree with in principle but it works out very expensive Mm. so if you're doing 30 by 30 by 4 that works out another huge cost for parents for stuff that generally gets thrown on the floor of the car as soon as the child gets in Okay, Conor Pope, uh, Consumer Affairs correspondent with the Irish Times. Are you shocked by those figures? You know, when I first read about them, I thought, ah, no, 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 that can't be right. And I have two small children myself, so they'd be right in this age bracket. And then I was looking down through it, and my heart was sinking deeper and deeper as I realised, oh, hang on a second. And a lot of the numbers are fairly accurate. Um, like, you know, the cost of, the actual cost of the party, whether you go to a commercial party venue or you host it in your house. You know, you know those kind of costs are fairly, are fairly um legitimate I think uh, the cost of the presence uh, is completely accurate I think 15 euros per child per party that's about right yeah. and that, that's about right the 4 euro party bag again you'd kind of think oh well maybe I'd be able to shave a euro off that but you wouldn't be getting much, much you wouldn't be getting much for 3 quid and it is kind of dispiriting but I kind of disagree about saying that oh no we've just lost the run of ourselves because the party ultimately is about celebrating the birth of the child for parents the part, the birthday is about celebrating and acknowledging and recognising the birth of their child, which is hugely important for them. But for the child, it's all about the party. Yeah. And that's the reality. And, you know, if you want to, a, a magician or if you want a clown or if you want to go to a, you know, a, you know, a play centre or if you want to go to a climbing wall centre, you are looking at spending 200, 250, 300 euro for your own children. Um, the, the problem then comes when, Everybody, you know, you have to go to 12 or 15 or 20 different parties a year and you're spending 15 quid a pop on stuff that the kid doesn't really want. The parents don't really want the kid to have it. And it's ultimately just a complete waste of money. And that's the only issue I'd have with it. I have no problem spending hundreds of euros on my own kids. And Lord knows I hope I'll be able to do it for as long as I possibly can. But, you know, I kind of, a part of me thinks like... I, I, when, when, when I get my own children presents, they're, all, they're delighted with them, and that's great. But then they have their 15 friends to their birthday party, and they're just unwrapping tat, stuff that they don't really want, mm. and stuff that they certainly don't need. And then you get into this cycle whereby I give the, the, the children <laughs> of my, par- my, kids, um, my, my kids' friends, I give them all this nonsense, and their parents have to give my kids all this nonsense, and nobody actually wants the stuff. Yeah, so I think, I think I, I've seen I, lots, lots of parties I've, I've seen lately have, have no present rules, which I think is, is a really good idea. It kind idea. of is, but, but, 
you know, I would, you know, maybe this is do as I say, but not as I do, because I kind of don't like the no present rule as well, because that seems to be taking something away from my parents, my children's enjoyment of their, their birthday party. So I'm in a bind here. I don't even know. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Part of me thinks we're all wasting money on, on the presents. Part of me wants my kids to have as much fun as they possibly can at their birthday parties. And they have that fun by opening presents, even if I'm looking at it and, and, and I know in my heart and soul that it's rubbish and that nobody wants it. But, I, you know, and you know, the other, maybe the reality is this is just part of the world in which we live. Mm. And I don't know what it was like for you, Shane, when you were a kid, but I don't remember being lavished with gifts by my by my peers when I was six. No, eight, no, nine, no, not at all. No, I was just we, before you came on the line. I was just saying. I think I had two birthday parties. The idea of a birthday party every year did, just didn't it happen. Just, it wasn't a thing. Uh, li- listen, to, listen to Connor there. I think he's kind of hit his nail on the, he- uh, the the nail on the head, if you like, in that he's saying, oh, I, I don't know what the right thing to do is. And what happens in that situation is you always just err on the side of caution and throw money at the thing. Uh, of course. As parents, all we want to see is those little eyes light up. Really. That's, that's all you ever want for your child. And what Connor said is quite right. You know, the, it drives me crazy, the tasks that the, my two girls and two boys that they come home with. And actually, 23% of our mummies have admitted to re-gifting. I might be guilty of that myself. <laughs> where <laughs> the wardrobe upstairs might have a few of those where I've whipped half the presents before they've realised. Because in reality, after the... You, I mean, Connor and uh, both of you, I'm sure, agree. After the first four or five that they've opened, they kind of could just get thrown aside and they might find one thing that they absolutely love and the rest of it gets kind of thrown to the side. Okay. Uh, just very briefly, Connor, uh, tips for parents. I mean, is this one of these ones that it's almost hard to give consumer advice on that, as you say, uh, parents will just be parents and want want the best for their kids. Yep, absolutely. I, I do think, and from my, my own personal perspective, I think the parties that you have in play centres and the like do end up being much less stressful for parents because you just go there, there's two hours, and when the two, two hours are passed, you just walk away from it and you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. One thing I did uh, not, not, uh, last year for one of, one of my children was we managed to have a birthday party in a park and we had a kind of sports day themed uh, birthday party. It was brilliant. It was really cheap. And amazingly, it didn't last rain, so it worked. Now, I can't say I could guarantee that for every parent every year, but on that one occasion, I got lucky. Yeah, sounds good. OK, we'll leave it there. Uh, Connor Pope, a consumer affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and Lucinda Carty, mother of four children, editor with uh, Mummy Pages. Thanks indeed for joining us. Lots of texts on this. We'll take them in a moment. The Right Hook with the new Mitsubishi Outlander 7-seater automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips. MitsubishiMotors.ie Age gap relationships have always been a little controversial, but does a significant age difference actually matter when it comes to picking a partner? A new study from Emory University suggests a large age gap is important when it comes to the lasting success of a relationship. But is this true? Uh, to discuss this, we're joined by couples and family therapist Deirdre Hayes to ask what, if anything, a significant age difference means for couples today. Deirdre, thanks indeed for coming into us. Thank you. Does it matter? Um, uh, I, I, I heard, actually, I'm just uh, as I'm talking to you, heard, somebody from a different country said to me, the, the acceptable one is, I think you, half the age plus five or something. There's, okay. a, there's all these ridiculous rules. Okay. Is there any rules or is it about the two people? 
Yeah, good question. I think uh, you've answered it in a way. I think it's also about the two people. Um, clearly, I want to just mention that we're talking about adults here, okay? So oh God, everybody yeah, 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 over yeah, the age yeah, of 18. And, yeah. well, uh, very important to make that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah just you're right. Point. But um, I, I, would, I would often think about... Um, how you, you know, when you talk to a couple, do you talk about the differences or you talk about what holds them together? And I think that um, very often if, if, if a relationship is in trouble, um, they're going to be far more likely to talk about the differences and age will definitely come up in that situation. But when couples are together for a long time and there has been a big age gap, you will find that they're not going to talk about that. That's not They've managed somehow to navigate their way through that in a way which has fobbed off sort of general, uh, you know, statistics and all of the other things which seems to get in the way of people leading mm. the lives they want to lead. Really, is that though uh, because they don't want to face up to what is the elephant in the room because that's something so fundamental to their relationship? You, you can't change your age. Absolutely, you can't. And I think couples that manage to somehow integrate that into their lives, you know, um, like, for example, you know, it could be a situation where one member of the couple uh, doesn't know anything about the other's political views, uh, might even find the other person's uh historical events that they weren't even born mm. when the other person was was alive, you know, and they have to say, OK, now we really have to work at this. You know, so couples who put a lot of effort into that, finding out, OK, so really what's been going on in your life when I wasn't even here? Uh, you know, that people, that those experiences uh, really can make a very big difference because someone's made an effort to find out more about me that I didn't that they didn't know before. So, you know, sometimes when those big differences are there in age, people will work just that little bit harder. Okay. There is the issue of compatibility. And look, I, I'm not saying, by the way, of, of course, there are relationships clearly that, that, that do work in this situation. So if you're listening and you're in that boat, don't get sense. We're, we are talking, I suppose, just in, in the round here and, and the, I suppose, the greater chance of, of success if you're more compatible, if you have more in common. I mean, I'm thinking I'm 47. OK, I'm happily married. If I wasn't, I think I'd struggle to be in a relationship, say, with somebody in their 20s for a few reasons. I feel I wouldn't have a lot in common with them. I'd feel they were at different stages of yeah. their life. Yeah. I'd also feel like I was cramping their style. I'd yeah. feel like you know they should be out doing things that I just have no interest in doing at this stage of my life. Well, you yeah, know, that's true. But you, I mean, because in fact, actually, statistically, I think only 1% of men uh, actually marry women 20 years or more younger than them. Uh, that's also published research. And um, only 0.3% of women marry uh, men younger than them. So mm. we're not talking about a huge percentage of people here, really. And of course, I should also say, you know, it's the same for same sex relationships. You know, it's important to remember that this also occurs and big age gaps often do occur also in same sex relationships. So I think I suppose what what people who are embarking on that, you don't really know what it is that's made you hit off with the other person. And then you think, oh, yeah, there's a big age gap. And that's when you really start to think, oh, can this be a problem for us? Mm. So if you let it be a problem. Yeah. So are you kind it of saying be. are you sort of saying true love conquer, conquers all basically? Well, or is it? It's not that simple though, is it's it? It's not. Maybe just in the sense of obviously, you know, the idea is that the more you're like me, the more I'm bound to like you, right? Mm. So the closer you are in terms of age, demographic, background, uh, culture, you you would say statistically speaking, the better chance you have of sustaining a relationship. But the world is changing hugely, and the rules are changing. 
and um, our kids are marrying people from different countries. They're marrying, I mean, you know, name five people you know, I'm sure you can very quickly, who have not married somebody within their own cultural background or age group. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's it's happening. That's the world is changing. So I suppose it's up to media and people like me, you know, therapists to say that's okay. You just have to work at it and it's going to be okay. You know, it's not okay. like a a simple trite thing to say to people, but just really that they want to work and make it work, it will work. Okay. What about and I think that's a very fair point. Um what about stuff like I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, parents. Um, you know, they their their son comes home or their daughter comes home with a, a partner who is, you know, close closer in age to them than their son or daughter. I mean, that's, that must put a bit of a strain, a, a bit of a pressure Actually, on. Actually, I was going to mention that very one, you know, somebody coming home and discovering, yeah, that that, that, that the same age as, as, you know, as their dad. Mm. And sure, people would take a, you know, uh, take a step back and think, wow, you know, what, what's happened? You know, why did my daughter fall in love with somebody like that? And um, clearly, uh, you know, it harks back to, again, looking at the difference. You know, if you spend a lot of energy and time looking at what's different about this person, that's going to preoccupy your whole mind, you know. But if she's found somebody, uh, the way I regard it is, is if you, if your kid, comes home and says this is who I love well I suppose if you've reared them and if you feel trust in how you've reared them you're going to back them up mm. Mm. you know whatever way you can okay yeah no, rather fair than enough. putting uh, it, you know, it, do, stuff it does require way. an open mind though but it, it does exactly yeah. yeah it's not exactly something that would you know you anticipate I think it's probably not being you know not being able to be prepared for something like that to happen not ever thinking it would happen okay uh, to, to come back to the, the point about having stuff in common I'm just thinking you know like Myself and my wife are, are the same age. We were watching a drama set in the 80s a few weeks ago. And there was I bet a, you remembered. Yeah, yeah, we used to wear glasses like that. Yeah, and there was a brilliant soundtrack. And we and afterwards, we listened to, to the soundtrack and we were talking about the various songs on it. I mean, I mean that does, that that is a gel for a relationship as well. Having those shared experiences in common. I, again, I'm not suggesting you can't have a successful relationship without it. You clearly can. But that gel does help, doesn't it? Or, or am I wrong? Yeah, it does, of course. But uh, you, you, when you're with somebody or when you're in a given situation, you're more likely to find the things that are keeping you in that situation are things that are already going on there in that relationship. So that's how you can't actually imagine what it might be like t- to be with somebody much different in age to you. Okay. Right? Because that keeps you in the relationship you're in as well. So the, the, the issue is, is in relation to trying to get into someone else's shoes, right? That's an exciting part of developing in a relationship. That That's something that couples really find uh, very exciting and something that's challenging for them as well. I mean, think. let's think of the Hollywood... Well, actually, interesting there. I yeah. mean, we were talking about midlife crisis yesterday <laughs> on the programme. Yeah. I mean, is some of it, and I, I would accuse men of this more than women, is some of this, you know, men looking for the, you know, the, 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 the beautiful young... Twenty uh, something year old, in order to try and stave off their, you know, the the the, the, the pending years and and reclaim their youth, is there is there a danger of that as well? I'm sure there is. I'm sure the guys who do that, and you know, what I would be always looking at is what is the reason that this relationship is happening. 
Yeah. What are the reasons you're going into this relationship? So really, that's absolutely true. And if people find themselves in a pattern of always going for, you know, that type of uh, young the, the father figure exactly or, the, yeah. or whatever then you know they may have to reflect on what's that about me that I need to kind of keep doing that all the time you know because it doesn't end up being very satisfactory perhaps but if a couple do happen to fall in love and happen to be together and they happen to have a big age gap that's not going to get in the way of them having a successful relationship what about in relation to uh, going back to the issue of, of having things in common and, and the big divide uh, kids, I mean, people say who maybe in their 40s or 50s, they may have had kids already. They might kind of think, you know what, it was great, but I don't really want to go through all that again. Exactly. So that can be a deal breaker. I would agree with you on that one, that if you decide too late your issue on whether you have kids or not, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a difficult one. So I would always say to a couple, go in very early, put your cards on the table. You know, let it be known. I don't want kids you know, early on so that the other, this is something that you're going to accept about me that I don't want kids. I've had kids in my previous relationship. You know, I've I felt I've done that bit. Yeah, you got to lay um, those cards out in the table. Absolutely. Early I would on. say go early on both for the younger partner and the older partner. That has to come up very early. I would give that advice to couples. Definitely. Yeah, OK, that sounds like sound advice. Uh, an avid female listener has texted to say my partner is four years younger than me, both in our 60s in second relationship. Right, that's not a very big uh, difference. And as you get older, no, four years say, is, yeah, is not to five is what the yeah. statistics are saying yeah. is 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 pretty you know is pretty handleable. Um, Ian says, Shane, I have to say, I adore the older women <laughs> regularly on the house at my local. <laughs> pretty okay. good. Bin. I don't think that's what we're necessarily talking about here, but anyway, fair yeah. enough. Uh, age is only a number. I'm 38. Girlfriend is 21. We met three years ago, or we're three years together now. Yeah. Sorry, I'm as much in love now as when we first met. That's age lovely. never an issue once you get on, and people need to realise that. Fair point. Andy disagrees though. He says I probably wouldn't hook up with anyone over 50 because we wouldn't have that much in common. All right. There you go. There you go. It's all about the effort also you put into that relationship, isn't it? What do you think? I mean, if you're going to talk to somebody younger um, and you're interested in them, you're going to make make a lot of effort to find out about their life or what, what makes them tick, what they love, yeah, opens what they up, like I to suppose listen. opens up new avenues Absolutely. of interest and stuff. Totally. Yeah. You, get on, you get on there. I never knew so much about the 80s kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. OK. Uh, OK. So true love does conquer all, basically. Yeah. That's well, the, that's the know, message. Making an effort works. And um, I think that's what essentially keeps a couple together uh, managing conflict um, f- having a friendship basis and you know humour sense of humour matters a lot too being able to fob off those stupid questions like hey I thought you were introducing me to your daughter and I yeah. discover it's your wife yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah <laughs> so that's, that would uh, that would definitely cause a, a problem okay um, couples and family therapist Deirdre Hayes fantastic uh, advice there thanks indeed for coming into us